baseline, underneath, bank shot. No, Ewing slams in the follow. And the Knicks go up by one with 26 seconds remaining. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. The buzzer sounds, and the New York Knickerbockers are going back to the NBA Finals. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Call his wife in. Nothing to say, but what a day. How's your boy been? Listen to that, Boomer. How's that singing for you? You need to shut that off? To be fair, I didn't even hear it. But Eddie's stirring the pot. That's fine. That's what Eddie and Rockland likes to do. Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Four o'clock. Get up on this glorious Wednesday morning. It was 50 degrees driving in. I don't know what it is now, but we're apparently we're in the, you know, maybe get some warmer weather. That'd be nice. Be nice to get a little nice weather. Spring's here. Baseball's here. The draft is coming up. It is the combine. We heard from the Giants. We opened the show with that a little bit. About Joe Shane speaking to the media, doing a couple different interviews, and telling you the same stuff about Daniel Jones. They believe in Daniel Jones. They have faith in Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones hopefully will not be the quarterback. I don't buy. It sounds like a guy who's trying to convince us and trying to convince the rest of the league. Um, I just, I'm, I'm sure they do have faith in him because they did give him money. He did win a playoff game. They keep harkening back to that. I mean, considering his entire track record, yes, it's a was a glorious day and a wonderful, wonderful performance. I'll never take it away from him. He was incredible in that game, but... That's not enough for me, considering all the injuries. I I think it's time to move on. I think the Giants are there, too. But he is going to be the starting quarterback for the team this year. So what else can you say? I don't buy it. I think the Giants are looking to move up. I think the Giants are looking for a quarterback. I just think the Giants, especially the group who moved up to draft Josh Allen, have seen firsthand how drafting and developing a franchise quarterback changes a franchise. The the you know The Bills have been since that, you know, Four back, you know, the back to back to back to back Super Bowl runs have been one of the more losing franchises in the sport. And Josh Allen has changed all that. While they still can't get over the Kansas City hump, they are a franchise that has owned this division. They were the two seed after being six and six. Like they win. Josh Allen's incredible. And the Giants are a tandem here of Joe Shane and Brian Dable, who moved up, who were part of the team that moved up to draft him and part of the coaching staff that developed him. And that's what the Giants need to do. Because if you listen through the lines a little bit, you also hear from Joe Shane about trusting the process and still in the middle of a rebuild. I think that that winning year slowed the rebuild down. They were forced to do a couple things they probably weren't thrilled with doing, including giving Daniel Jones a contract like the which they gave him. But I still think the Giants, whatever they say, need to be looking for a quarterback, and I expect them to be, whether it be that secondary quarterback, maybe later in the first round, if they want to trade up into the first round, uh, maybe it's just one of the maybe it's the fourth best quarterback in the draft taken sixth overall. That's possible if they love him. And I'll be the first to tell you, I don't think J.J. McCarthy is that guy, but he's the early buzz around the combine and around the quarterback situation. I think you can you can expect to hear more of that as he works out, and some of these other quarterbacks don't. I think you are going to see his name move up. And even though I don't love him, if they draft him, I'm all on board. 
I'm all on board. They need a quarterback, and if they believe in him, which you'd have to if you'd pick him sixth overall, then I'm on board. Saquon Barkley, the other main talking point, uh, what was previously thought of a no-go with the the franchise tag for a second consecutive year. I mean, it's gone through stages. Last year when they tagged him, it, the, the, the conversation was they can tag him this year, they can tag him next year. And that seemed like a likely scenario. And then throughout the year, it seemed like a likely scenario. And then at the start of the end of the season and the start of this offseason seemed like a likely scenario. But more and more as we got through the offseason, it seemed like a franchise tag was unlikely. But Joe Shane reopened that, talked about how he was surprised and, you know, taken aback a little bit by the significant increase in the uh, salary cap and how there's more room to fit in a a $12.1 million cap hit, which would Bar- Barkley would be on a second tag. So they're playing rough with Barkley and throwing flowers at Jones, pretty much like last year. But we'll see how it plays out. We'll get into the, all that. But they, he also did say something that I didn't get a chance to talk about that I found interesting. He did with Giants Radio and uh, John Schmelk and the team there. Um, he talked about Shane Bowen coming over from Tennessee and you know stepping in as the new defensive coordinator for Wink Martindale who we know the drama surrounding that and how good Wink was, but yet still the the reasons why I think he had to go. Uh, and Dable needs to be the leader of this team, and Wink was hindering that. Um, but this new coordinator had one job in my estimation. There's a, a lot of things, but looking at the team, right? I think the, the conversation around Kayvon Thibodeau and this pass rush needs to change, right? Because Kayvon Thibodeau, I know famously here, and, and the difference of opinions between the, the midday show and Carl Banks and, Whatever you want to think about Kayvon Thibodeau, I think Bust is a bit strong. I think he's an excellent football player. I think we've seen that. And they used him as a Swiss Army knife. And he's one of the first, I think he was the first guy ever to have double-digit sacks under Wink Martindale. That's not the game of Wink. And I hated that aspect of it because you draft, it's just poor, it's poor allocation of your talent. And it's not a great communication between your your staff and your draft team when you draft a pass rusher that high and then decide to eliminate his pass rush on on so many plays on third and 10 on the on the opposing's own 15 like that's a that's a go get the quarterback there instead so many times in situations like that i remember specifically or other times you got him you got Kayvon Thibodeau dropping into coverage and doing different things and instead of just worried about, especially on third down. So Joe Shane referenced the idea that Wink loved to stop the run on first and second down and would put all his emphasis into that. And, and you know, Bowen's a little bit more of impacting the quarterback on every play. And I think in today's NFL, as good as Wink was, and I'm not trying to knock Wink, I think he did a very good job overall. I think certainly two years ago, the defense dramatically over overachieved. This year, obviously, step backs at different times. Kind of got it the second half of the year and found their groove for a while. But to start the year and then even at times to end the year, disaster. But overall, did a good job. But the Giants need to impact the quarterback a hell of a lot more. And Kayvon Thibodeau, a top draft pick who oozes talent and who has shown to be a primetime big game player, right? That first year... Uh, Sunday night football against Washington, a must-win game. He dominates the football game. All the talk around here with with uh, Carl Banks and whether or not he's a bust, and he became a real talking point 
inside the media, and he ends up having following that up with his best game of the season. Like, I think there is something to this guy being a primetime player, and the fact of the matter is he has not impacted this defense enough. Whatever you want to say about him, you want to say, oh, watch the games, right? And, and listen, Carl Banks knows more football than I do. I would never suggest otherwise. And I'm sure if you look at the tape with the keen eye of a football man uh, and you want to watch all the different things he does and the different ways he impacts the defense, that's great. That's great and all. But when you draft an edge rusher, you need him to impact the quarterback, plain and simple. He needs to hit the quarterback more. He needs to get more sacks. He needs to impact the passing game a hell of a lot more than worrying about the flat. Right? I, I, I just don't think there's any two ways around it. Kayvon Thibodeau needs to be a more dynamic player inside this defense and more of a game changer inside this defense. And whether or not he can be is up for grabs, but Wink Martindale didn't want to find out. And I think that is the number one thing. Now, look, we're going to – McKinney is an important piece. I think the Giants absolutely should keep him. They need to find a way, especially, again, with the added money on the salary cap, they need to figure out a way to bring McKinney back. Right, He played 100% of the snaps last year. He's a good safety. He's not one of the league's best premier guys, but he's a solid guy. He's a leader on that defense. Like That's a guy I want to bring back, especially in a very inexperienced defensive backfield. I want him back. Right, And there are different things about this defense. I thought for the first time in years, you got pretty damn good play from your linebackers. Uh, you know that, obviously... Sexy Dexy and Dexter Lawrence has started to emerge as one of, if not, you know, you're talking about a handful of the best defensive linemen in the sport. Like, there's a lot of positives and a lot of different attributes of this defense that need to improve, need to change, need to develop, certainly at the cornerback position. But for me, job number one, and I said this a few weeks ago, job number one for Shane Bowen and this new defensive scheme is to make Kayvon Thibodeau an impact player, far more than he's been. And when asked about the defense, yes, I know I'm, I'm reading into things. This is what I do. This is what we do. During that interview, the first thing he said when asked about the defense is talking about getting a little bit away from focusing on stopping the run, and that's the only thing I'm focused on in first and second down because you watch the games. You watch how this sport is played in 2023 and 2024. You've got to impact the quarterback on every play. Right As the running back market deteriorates, doesn't mean the run game importance has deteriorated, but the running back room and, and, and market and free agency and how you pay and view running backs has changed so much. It's about, it's about impacting the quarterback. And especially with a guy like Dexter Lawrence in the middle of that defense, I feel okay about stopping the run. Sure, there are, listen, you got, we all understand it's football 101. you got to stop the run. But I need Kayvon Thibodeau to impact the quarterback more. And if that means lessening his load... If that means simpling the game out for him, if that means letting him pin his ears back a little bit more and being an edge rusher and going to get the quarterback on first down, on second down, and limiting his responsibilities in the you know coverage game, then that's what it should be. That's what it should be. His sack should be up. His pressures should be up. His hits on the quarterback should be up this season. Otherwise, the Giants wasted a pick. Otherwise, they didn't. They drafted an edge rusher who can't, you know, who isn't impacting the quarterback enough. And I'm willing to accept the idea that Wink Martindale asked him to do different things. And even if he was effective at it, 
even if you look at it and Wink Martindale will tell you and you know Carl Banks will tell you and anyone else will tell you that he did everything he was asked to do and he did it at a high level and he was a very effective player for this defense. Bravo. And that's great. But I need him to impact the quarterback. And hopefully, if everything else fails, and hopefully it doesn't, but at least heading into this, it's what I deem to be the most important part of the scheme change as they bring in a new defensive coaching staff and a new defensive game plan. For me, the one scheme aspect, obviously development needs to be done. You got to bring in better players. But the number one scheme impact I'm looking for for this new defensive coordinator with the New York Giants is get Kayvon Thibodeau after the quarterback. And today, when asked about it, that was one of the first things he said about the defense, the difference between this new this new coaching staff and Wink and the focus on stopping the run on first and second down and now maybe opening that up a little bit more to really getting after the quarterback on a play-by-play basis as opposed to a third-down basis. And even on some third downs, I mean, I can't tell you how many third downs I watched, third and longs, where I saw a Kayvon Thibodeau pat, drop into pass rush, uh, drop into pass protection. Like, I have no idea why. I have no idea why he's dropping into pass coverage on third and 10. So hopefully at least that will change. The same things, he, the, the, what, how he feels about Daniel Jones apparently hasn't changed. His hardball uh, antics and the way he's going about handling the Saquon Barkley uh, free agency and offseason hasn't changed between years. But it sounds like maybe the defensive scheme will change a little bit and Kayvon Thibodeau will actually be looking to get after some quarterbacks. 877-337-6666. Let's get back to the calls. Dan and Lafayette. What's up, Dan? Yo, what's up, C-Mac? Yo, what's up, buddy? Yo, yo. My yo, favorite, yo, what's up? Uh, not much. My favorite game show scandal. No whammy, no whammy, no whammy. Stop. Yeah, for, remember yeah I remember the show. Well, press your luck. The guy's press... name was uh, Paul Larson. He memorized the uh, whammy uh, board pattern, and he kept hitting that a the fact? same one. Yeah, I uh, never heard of that. I never heard of that scandal. I I knew the show. I don't ever remember the scandal. Yep, uh, they they did a whole documentary on it. He took him for like a hundred and twenty something thousand bucks. Really? He memorized the board, so every time he hit, he would hit on like two thousand or twenty five hundred plus a spin. So he basically, you know, just kept regenerating his his turn, and that was it, man. The guy, according to his wife. Sat on the couch. He was a bum watching game shows all day, mm-hmm. and he figured it out. And he went on a show and became the biggest winner they ever had. I've never heard that one. I saw the documentary on the guy who like took the the prices right for a spin. Um, yeah, pardon the the pun there. I I saw that one where the guy memorized all the different like because they would reuse items, and the guy like made a spreadsheet. You know, back in the eighties, I think it was. And he memorized all the prices on all the different items, and he yeah, took the, he, that was a good one too. He 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 took them he took them for a ride. I've never heard of the Noami uh, knowing the pattern of the board. I've never heard of that one. If you get a free hour, go on YouTube hmm. and and watch it. It's actually really it's really interesting. It's a really that's good funny. documentary. I'll look I'll look into it. That's that's somewhat interesting to me. Um, yeah, I don't I I never heard that that scandal. But you know what? This is really off topic, but we talk about our children. My kid, uh, my my son, brought home a book 
uh, this past you know month or whatever we've been reading it. It was a th- uh, you know a book every night we're reading a chapter. It's one of his books for school, and it's about a student who made up a word. Right, it started out as like a prank against an English teacher who is a stickler for the dictionary, and he made up this word "frindle" that he used instead of pen. And before you know it, he had the whole school calling a pen a frindle. And the teacher was furious about it, and kids were having to be stayed at late for detention if they used the word frindle. And, like, news organizations picked it up, and it became a local story. Then it became a national story. The kid went on David Letterman. It became, like, this whole thing that he made up a new word, frindle. And um, at the end of the story, the teacher, who was actually mad at the time wasn't really mad. She wanted to push him and see if he could take it all the way, and she sent him a copy of the latest dictionary that now added the word frindle to the dictionary. So this kid, just out of the blue, making up the word frindle for pen, years later, you know, at the end of the book, she writes him a letter and sends him the dictionary when he's like, he's already graduated college or whatever. But years later, after being an elementary school kid that made up a word, it got into the dictionary. So that's the story of that book or whatever. And in the book, they tell an interesting tidbit and i only thought of it because of game show the way he said game show controversy i thought of the movie quiz show and that's the only in the book they say it and i just looked it up in the book um in the dictionary there is one word that was just completely made up with nothing behind it and it's the word quiz Apparently, James Daly, who was a theater manager in dublin in 1782 had a bet with someone that he couldn't just make up a word and have people use it and he made up the word quiz and wrote it on doors and, you know, handed it out to people. I don't know, whatever he did. And somehow it just became a word and became part of the English language and made it to the dictionary. And apparently it's just a completely made up word. Quiz. It's, I don't think there's any like Latin, no word, no, you know, country of origin. If it was on a spelling bee, like, I don't think any of that. I think it was just some guy just, you know, had a bet with his friends that he could make up a word. Um, so yeah, he made up the word quiz. Never heard that before. 877-337-6666. Who knew that there was like, it's in Scrabble, it's in the dictionary quiz. Completely made up out of the the blue, thin blue air. 877-337-6666. All right, one quick, uh, I forgot to mention Dan's question before we went to the break. Med fans, I guess we could discuss this a little bit when we get back. Obviously, the question, right, as we talk about Pete Alonso and whether or not the Mets should give him an extension, he's he's kind of said he's willing to go past the season. You know, he's allowing the Mets and Scott Boris to talk. He's not going to draw a deadline the way Aaron Judge did last year. And, you know, should the Mets sign him? Is it worth it? I think personally they should let him hit free agency and then pay him. I like the idea of a motivated, pissed off, even if it is pissed off at the Mets. I think it worked for Aaron Judge. I really do. There's nothing wrong with a motivated Pete Alonso who has a monster year who might actually help you win. Wait for us. Wait, wait for it. I don't want to say anything that's going to upset you Mets fans. But he might actually impact and help you win this season. I know that doesn't matter and no one seems to care about it. But maybe he'll have a big year which would impact winning for the Mets, which is crazy. That ain't, uh, who cares, McMonagle? Shut your mouth. No one cares about this year with the Mets. It's all focused on next year. But maybe, just maybe, if Alonzo has a monster season, you could actually win some games this year and sneak into a wild card. I have no problem with him being motivated hitting free agency. But if you would, and then, of course, everyone thinks they're going to get Juan Soto. If you were faced with the choice of Alonzo or Soto, 
who would you rather have? And then throw the caveat in there where if it is Soto and you go sign Juan Soto, that leaves the Yankees. And I think it's a fair point a little bit. That would leave the Yankees, you know, alone at the prom and having money to spend, I would think. And considering Anthony Rizzo is at the end of his contract and first base is open and there's really no prospect necessarily. I mean, they could shoehorn uh, a guy like uh, the catcher and Ben Rice in there, or they could shoehorn, obviously, Spencer Jones if the outfield gets crowded. But without Soto, you wouldn't imagine that being an issue. So they would need a first baseman. And a proven guy in New York who hits 50 home runs a year might be someone to back up and give a little bit of uh, protection for Judge. So if it meant Soto to the Mets, but Alonzo to the Yankees, would you still be on board? That was the question Dan asked. I'll ask you, Mets fans. World Series over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. It's their 27th World Championship. The most of any team in any sport in the history of professional sports. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. So it is a little bit of an interesting question because if I'm a Met fan, I want want to say this too. It's not just the Yankee fan who should be upset by the Juan Soto talk. I think it should be Met fans who should be pissed off by the Juan Soto talk. Because it's diminishing this year. And that's all that's gone on about this year. And I don't understand it because while, yeah, there's some optimism, it's, it's spring training. Everyone has optimism. You're watching, you know, jet, uh, you know, jet and all the different other prospects, um, play and you, you're hopeful and Beatty, hopefully. And there's a lot of hope, right? Hope, hope, hope as Keith likes to say. So on some level, there's some optimism, the offense, Marte healthy, um, the idea McNeil kind of has a good year, bad year, good year, bad year. He's due for a good one. But ultimately, especially with the Sanga injury, the pitching rotations in shambles, in my estimation. I don't know how you could have a different view. But focusing on whether or not the Mets are going to sign Juan Soto is is embarrassing for me. That's a year away. Does this year mean nothing to the Mets? I, I Again, can't go sign. Why, why? Why on earth would you go sign Montgomery? This year means nothing. Oh well, well let's. We're going to get Juan Soto. Don't worry. We're going to spend all money next year, next year, next year, next year, next year, next year. It would drive me nuts if I were a Met fan with the richest owner in baseball. All my hopes, all my aspirations, anything that's like Pete Alonso next year. Like and and even that. Even if I agree with it, it's still about next year. Everything's about next year. And the idea whether or not they'll sign Juan Soto and steal him from the Yankees. Oh, great, great. Oh, you might have some coup next year. In the meantime, he's playing in the Bronx. So while, yeah, it's annoying to me as a Yankee fan to assume that they'll just, that we're going to disregard this year and him having an opportunity to play in New York in front of the fan base at Yankee Stadium and play for the Yankees and have a full season with Judge and, and everything that goes with being a Yankee. Suddenly, you know, we're, we're already sure about his emotions and where he wants to be without him ever playing a game in the Bronx. Yeah, that offends me. It also offends me as a Met fan that this is what I'm focused on. This is where I get my joy. 
as the season's about to start, where am I? Where am I? Am I? Am I talking about playoff aspirations? Am I talking about competing in this division? Am I talking about winning a championship? Am I talking about heading back to the postseason after a disappointing year last year? No, I'm focused on. We're going to steal Juan Soto from you next year. And so as you look at the two biggest names, apparently, for next year, and Juan Soto and Pete Alonso for the Mets, I do think there is an added element to this that Dan brought up, and it does make sense considering where the spot the Yankees would be. If, the, if it does come to fruition, if Sal's opinion, along with a lot of Met fans' opinions and a lot of different people's opinion, that's a fait accompli, that he's kind of wanted to be a Met the whole time. He's talked about how much he loves playing in that ballpark when he was a Washington National. It's, you know, the most money is in the Queens, which no one could argue. Uh, he's going to end up being a Met. It's a, it's a guarantee. Well, if the Yankees lose Juan Soto, and particularly if they don't win a championship this year, they are going to have to do something to appease that fan base. And there's no question the Mets will have to focus on Juan Soto first. Juan Soto is going to be the biggest free agent in the market. He is going to set the tone. Pete Alonso is not going to want to sign next year until Juan Soto signs, until that number is set, until that bar is raised. He's not going to want to sign. He's going to want to judge it up against Juan Soto. So the Mets, if they do sign Juan Soto, they're going to have to focus on Juan Soto first. And if they do sign him, now that means the Yankees have just been spurned. And the Yankees will then have every desire to make a move, one, that's going to cost money because we've talked about it. Glaber Torres off the books. This would mean Juan Soto's off the books. There's a chance Verdugo's off the books. Uh, Rizzo at first base would be off the books. Clay Holmes could be off the books. Canely's off the books. There's a lot of guys off the books. And if they don't sign Blake Snell, which I'm telling you they won't, They're going to have a lot of money to spend. And if they lose Juan Soto, and they have first base wide open after Rizzo's tenure as a Yankee is over, I could easily see the Yankees pivot and get Pete Alonso. Easily. Now listen, Steve Cohen has the most money in the world. He can go buy both. Nothing's stopping him. But you would have a motivated Yankee team looking to get back at the Mets, having a first base spot open, Money to spend considering all the different guys who are going to be off the books next year. And a motivated owner to try and appease a fan base who just lost a generational player after trading him and only getting one year out of him. So go ahead, sign Juan Soto. And ultimately, is he a better player than Pete Alonso? Yes, he is. If I had my druthers as a Yankee fan, I'd rather have Juan Soto and figure out first base. And I would imagine the Met fan, if you ask them honestly... Who's the better baseball player? They would tell you Juan Soto, but he hasn't hit 50 home runs for the Mets. He hasn't been the face of the Mets. He hasn't been a guy who's, you know, grown attached to the fan base, who's who's won home run derbies in your uniform, who's hit more home runs and driven in more runs than almost any player in baseball over the last five years in your jersey. The same value isn't there in the Bronx as it is in Queens for Pete Alonso. So it's an interesting question. Get Juan Soto, lose Pete Alonso to the New York Yankees. Both guys play every game. Both guys are healthy. Both guys will hit a ton of home runs. Both guys will have great years. But that's the focus of the Mets. So it's a, it's a reasonable conversation to have as seasons as the season's about to start, as we get into spring training. It's a reasonable conversation for the Mets because they don't give a damn about this year.
And Stearns can tell you he does, and they expect to build this competitive team. They don't. They don't. They don't care. If they did, they'd sign Montgomery. And you could tell me, oh, it's not punting because they did spend some money. Oh, great. They put bodies in the rotation. They spent $13 million on on um, Severino. Fantastic. That means they're not punting. Okay, Evan. Okay. Looks like a punt to me. They're punting with the with – the, and then they're telling you, well, there's a chance they fumble the kick. There's a chance – there's a chance they muff the return. There's no doubt. Good luck with that. Go sign Montgomery and add to this rotation both this year and moving forward. It makes zero sense not to. I'll say it again. There's no picks attached to him. He's a you know, you're not going to have to give up a second and a fifth the way you would for Blake Snell. He's 30 years old. He's pitched in New York. He's a proven postseason performer and you're going to get him on the cheap because his market's falling apart. Not going the Mets not going after Montgomery is criminal. I don't understand it. Hector in Washington Heights. What's up, Hector? Hey, Mike. How you doing, brother? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing okay, I guess, listening to this conversation and this question. I mean, listen, first thing I got to say is I haven't been doing overnight to last, so I haven't been listening much. But the last couple of nights, I've had to be out here on the night time. Mm-hmm. And I've been listening. And I, and I appreciate you as a Yankee fan putting up a, a, a fight for us, Mets fans, with the whole Montgomery thing. Thank you. Because uh, that's how I view it. This is not trolling at all. I am. No, I am. I am trying to. I'm putting myself. I, I have empathy. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes, and I'm telling you right now: if I were a Met fan today, I would be pissed off at the tenor and feel that the Mets have put forward for this season. It would piss me off. No, I, I, listen, and I'm trying to be understandable. I, I, I can see the plan and all of that stuff. Right. But at the same time, I don't feel comfortable. And giving away a season. I'm not at that point where a lot of fans are where and just like what you just said, I don't want to repeat everything you just said. Right. Because I'm with you a thousand percent. And that's what a lot of fans are, are thinking. You hear more fans you hear fans talking about more about the kids and, and, and the prospects and all of this garbage yep. that's twenty five and beyond and has nothing to do with twenty twenty four. So that I do have a problem with. That that definitely drives me crazy. Right. And then another thing that's driving me crazy, that's driven me crazy for a long time is the whole Peter Lonzo thing, right? We haven't extended Peter Lonzo, so I'm going to have to hear that conversation all year. Is he going to press free agency? And the Mets going to be able to sign him? And is somebody going to offer more? All of that garbage. And now you ask someone who I've been talking about when the Wilpons on the team. I was talking about when this guy becomes available, I want the Mets going after him. And now I keep being asked over and over, do you want Juan Soto or Peter Lonzo? Well, I want them both, damn it. I want them both. Yeah, you but should. you know what I really don't want? I don't want Peter Lonzo going <laughs> to no damn Yankees and becoming a freaking great Hall of Famer, and I got to watch this crap while I must continue to be the Mets. That's what I don't want. So if that happens, David Stern, you, be- you better be right. And Juan Soto and whoever else, all these damn prophets better give me at least four World Series. Well, I will lose my damn <laughs> well, I mean, mind as a Mets fan. Uh, well, that's I'm a bit, telling I, you right I, now. Well, listen, Hector, I agree with everything you just said except the four World Series. I think one would be enough. Well, I know you don't want to see that, but that's what I want to see. I, I don't want to trade for World War Series. I've been waiting too damn long. I was 10 years old in 86. Yeah. I want to enjoy it. I want to go crazy. Yeah. I want to be at a ticketing parade. One, two, three. I want LeBron style. Miami Heat. When they said it, they couldn't quite accomplish it. But, yeah, that's yeah. what I want. No. I want all of it. I, I understand. I understand, Hector. We all want all of it. But I think you'd be happy with it. Let's start with one championship. If you lose Pete Alonso and you win a championship, I think that's enough. I, I don't know how much more you need. 
You haven't won one since 86. You've won two since 69. But, I mean, I agree. I You want both. Don't get me. You, you want both. And by, by no means am I saying it's one or the other. That's just a, a, a fun little question. If, if, or, like, what would you rather have? But, I, yeah, if I'm the Mets, if I'm you, I'm, I'm a Met fan, I'm pounding the table for both. Get Soto and get Alonso. And that's why I want to have one guy in the rotation set. Like, next year, right, you'll have Sanga. That's it. Quintana's contract's up. Severino's a one-year deal. I mean, add Montgomery and then have one less pitcher to worry about next year. Oh, there's so many good pitchers on the free agent market next year. Yeah, you, you're talking about getting Juan Soto and Pete Alonso. There is a limit on the money you can spend. You're going to go out and get every top free agent pitcher, too? Is no one else competing in free agency next year? Is no other team interested in signing anyone? The Mets are just going to have their run roughshod over the entire free agency next year. They're going to sit out this one, and then next year get all the top pitchers, get Juan Soto, get Pete Alonso, just, you know, just take every big-time free agent off the board, all of them. No one's going to be interested in signing anybody. It makes no sense. Get Montgomery now. I don't know how else to say it. And, I'm, you know, his market is falling apart right now. They've already played spring training games. He's going to want to get into a camp soon. It's on your side. Go get him and then feel and then have a rotation spot solved next year. Help this year, help next year. How and it doesn't hurt the plan at all. I get you know, if he had if he had the qualifying offer attached to him, I, I wouldn't be making this argument as strongly. Because I get it. You don't want to give up picks. You're trying to build the system. I get it. This doesn't hurt you at all. Danny in Belford. What's up, Danny? Hey, see Mac, how are you? Good, how are you, buddy? <clears throat> I'm all right. A little bit of uh, under the weather, but other than that, I'm good. Sure. <clears throat> so I never understood oh, that term. Aren't we all under the weather? I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm certainly not on top of the weather. No. No one's on top of the weather. Nobody. I mean, well, I mean, I guess if you're in a plane or something, but you fly above the weather. But no, I mean, like, I'm. we're all under the weather. I'm in the thick of bad weather then. Yes, they, you're in a patch of bad. You're in a, you're in a, you're in the middle of a storm. I got you. Well, feel better, buddy. Feel <laughs> Thank better. Thank you. So, as far as the Mets, I agree with you. I don't understand. Like, why aren't they putting them in a situation where they might be good, and then at the trade de- at the trade deadline, if they're good, then they go after it. If they're not, then you know they continue doing whatever they're doing. Right. Did, did anyone think that the Texas Rangers, the Diamondbacks, are going to get to the World Series? No. Exactly right. Like, put now they, yourself in a situation where you may be able to actually go forward. Right. But, but here's my point on that. Because, again, we're talking about what they're trying to do is accrue assets and accrue draft picks and, and, be, and build a better farm system and a more stable organization. That is a legitimate plan. I like the plan. The plan makes sense to me considering where the Mets have been. But my point is, and thank you for the call, I'm up against the break here. Is that really what you want to do? Because that hurts the plan. Would you rather have would you rather go out and pay money for Montgomery now or trade assets for a Montgomery type later? Like I get it, if you're close enough you're going to want to make those trades, but you could get get a pitcher right now that can help you. Close your eyes, pretend it's August and call it a trade. I don't care. You want to keep your assets, right? Here's a pitcher right now, all it is is money. 
Would you rather like, oh, let's just hope we get close enough, and then if they need a pitcher, they'll trade for one? I thought we're trying to keep our prospects. That's what the whole plan's about. Now we're all gung-ho to trade at the deadline? Like, who do you think you're trading for? If you're trading for a big-time piece, like, say the Orioles have this really fall-down season that, you know, hopefully not because of injury, because nobody roots for injury, but I hope the Orioles are terrible this year. Why not? I'm a Yankee fan. And then maybe Burns becomes available, or Bieber becomes available with Cleveland, or Cease, you know, Chicago continues to have a miserable season, which you assume they will, and Cease is really a hot topic at the deadline. Those pitchers are going to take your premium prospects. I mean, is that what you're looking to do? That makes no sense to me. I thought the idea was to keep those premium prospects and keep those picks. Why not just trade for Montgomery right now? Trade cash for Montgomery. Do it right now. Like, that's the other thing that I don't get. Oh, well, listen, you know, because I heard that from a call yesterday. Hey, maybe they're good enough, and if they are at the deadline and they're, and, and they're close and they need a pitcher, they'll go get one. One, it's harder than ever to accomplish that at the deadline. More teams are in it, so less teams are trading, and more teams are in it, so more teams are looking to trade. There are more teams in the market. There are less teams selling in the market. It's harder than ever to actually, with that extra wild card, it's harder than ever to get what you're looking for at the deadline. And the whole idea behind this Mets plan is to keep your prospects. So why on earth would I want to attack the trade deadline more than just giving up money right now? We're not thinking logically. It doesn't make any sense to me. Go get the guy that's just money now. Keep your prospects. (sighs) I mean, am I not making sense? Is this not, are we not getting through here? I want Montgomery because I think he can be part of the future and he helps this year. And there's value to that. There's value to helping this season. Especially when you're not going to have Sanga for a month. Or at, at the very, it's probably two months. Let's help this year as well as the future. Let's do both. What do you say? Me and you. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Testaverde will take the snap, go to one knee. This game is over. The Jets lock up their first playoff appearance since 1991 on a 21-16 victory over the Miami Dolphins. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Here's another one of my 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 guys, Eminem. You could add that to the mix of the the things I'm I was crazy passionate about. Twenty four, Lord of the Rings, the Beatles, and Eminem. I would not leave my. I'm telling you, would not the latest CD. Whether it was, oh, I'm gonna get you. Did I get him? Oh yeah, I got them off. He's you're a goner, buddy. I'm so I shouldn't. Okay, fly yes, fly away. No, you're good. You're good. Nothing you know, happened. With a here. wave of locusts in there. Yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on. Locusts, dogs. Who knows? Yeah, I mean that was really. But I don't want to make it seem like that 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 guy's not okay. He's fine. I'm sure he's good. Anyone who's interested, the moth made it out all right. I mean, you know, I'm, he's not moving, but he's okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, half of his body's there. Half yeah, of his body's well, over yeah, there. Half, he's fine. Yeah, half of it's imprinted on my palm. But no, he's good. I think he's good. I think he's good. Okay. But yes, Eminem. I would get the new CD, and I would not leave my car until I had all the lyrics down. All the lyrics. 
877-337-6666. Let's get back to the calls. As many as we can handle over the next seven or so minutes. Take it to the warm-up show right here on The Fan. Rob in uh, St. James, New York. What's up, Rob? What's up, C-Mac? How are you? Good, buddy. How are we doing? I'm I'm great, man. I I love it. Matt, after midnight, I I listen to you every morning on my way to work. Oh, thank you, buddy. I appreciate appreciate Um, that, man. So, you know, just like you, as a Yankee fan, I know we're not getting Snell. This season, I'm confident going into it. I I love having Soto. Mm -hmm. I don't want to play this. Oh, do we get Soto next year or not? I want to ask you. If you're Cashman at this exact moment. Oh, to be Brian Cashman. All right, you're good. What what would you want to do right now as the team stands mm-hmm. for this year? And what are you looking at moving forward as far as, okay, we can make these moves this year, but yeah. I'm actually looking for next year. What Ideally, what would you do if well, you're in Cash's shoes? Okay, well, I mean... And so it's a difficult question, and thank you for it, Rob. Uh, I appreciate it. It's a difficult question because if I'm in Cashman's shoes, I sign Blake Snell. But that's not a Cashman decision. That's a house timer. If I'm Brian Cashman and I'm given any any opportunity to do what I want to do, I want to add I need another starting pitcher. The market for Snell has collapsed. I figure out a way to get Blake Snell on the team. That's what I would do for this year. Preferably a one-year deal if I'm Brian Cashman, but the Yankees aren't going to do that. If I'm Brian Cashman, Blake Snell, three hundred, uh, Blake Snell, one year, thirty-eight million dollars, to incentivize him to uh, to do a one-year deal. That's what I would do if I were Brian Cashman. They're not paying him seventy million dollars. The house timer is not doing it. So if I'm Brian Cashman, living under the, the the guidelines that I pretty much feel I have, or at least that I, you know, Chris McMonagle can get a read on what Brian Cashman's allowed to do right now. I don't know if there is much to do. I don't think there's anything left to do this season right now. I would do my. I would try and get Dylan Cease, or I would try and get uh, Bieber. But I'm not giving up my top prospects. I'm not. I'm not giving up Spencer Jones for for damn sure. So, and if that's the ask, it's no. I. I've, he just hit a 470 foot bomb. I. I. I need him in case I don't sign Juan Soto. Plus, I just don't think the value for a rental pitcher is worth it to trade away that kind of prospect. So, I mean, if that's what Chicago's asking for for Dylan Cease, I'm not doing it. And if that's what Cleveland's asking for for Bieber, I'm not doing it. So I don't really think there's much else to do for Brian Cashman. There's no other pitchers that really move the needle for me. I would go get Montgomery. I would. I would. I guess I would add Montgomery if he was willing to come back. But it sounds like that's not really going to happen. Not in the cards. I don't think there's much for Mon- for Brian Cashman to do. And moving forward, number one priority is re-sign Juan Soto. That's clear. Number one priority, without question. And then improve the rotation again. I mean, that's it. Hopefully, you know, you'll have to work, look at left field, whether it's, you know, maybe if Bellinger is available again next year, like you'll you'll lose Verdugo. You might lose Gleyber Torres. If, if, if Bellinger has another monster year, he's only 28 years old. If he has another monster year in Chicago, now I look to bring him in to be my left fielder or first base. I'll have both spots open because Rizzo, I think that was a sneaky good move for the New York Yankees. I love that contract. I love the idea that Bellinger is going to hit the free agent market again next year because now I don't have Rizzo. I'm probably losing Verdugo. I'm probably losing Gleyber Torres. Now I have two different spots for him. I have an outfield spot for him, and I have first base for him. So I, And he's going to opt out if he has another monster year. And then if he has two back-to-back monster years, now I feel more confident in signing him. 
So for me, I would look at, and I would want to keep up the offense. So for me, it's re-sign uh, re Soto and then look at Bellinger. Would be where I'm at next year if I'm Brian Cashman. I love that that Bellinger signed that one-year deal. And that's really what it is. I know it's three for 80. It's one year. If he plays out all three years, it means he wasn't very good because he's going to opt out if he has a good year and try the free agent thing again. And now it doesn't make sense for them this year. One, Bellinger has only had the one good year. Two, you know, to go out and get Juan Soto and then get Bellinger and force him into the outfield. They got Verdugo. I like that a little bit better instead of giving big-time money to Bellinger without really proving it more than one year. They have Rizzo at first base. If they could put him at first base next year, then that would be terrific. You have an outfield spot for him. You, uh, you, that means you're moving on from Gleyber Torres. It means you're moving on from Verdugo. And Soto and Bellinger are the only real big money items. And again, a lot will tell me how the rotation goes. If you told me that, you know, Nestor and Rodon have great years, then I feel better about reinforcing my offense and trusting those two pitchers. But if they're disasters, now I have to put money into the rotation next year. It's 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 a loaded question. One, I'm not Hal Steinbrenner, so I can't tell you to add Snell as Brian Cashman. And two, I got to see how the season plays out before I really put my uh, GM cap on into what next year's team's going to need. Scotty and Montclair, what's up, Scotty? How you doing, Chris? You Good. are an excellent listener, oh, I have to tell you. Thank uh, you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, try I've, my, I've been I try my darndest. You do very well. And if you do talk to Francesca, tell him your name's not McGonagall. It's McMonagall. Um, so unfo- un- un- unfortunately, I've had that. I'm, I'm aware of that. Right. And I've, and I've had that conversation. Okay, I'm glad you have this conversation once or twice, that's it. You can't, you can't okay. continue to have it. Eventually, you just uh, okay. you, you surrender. McGonagall. Right. McGonagall. <laughs> I'm old. I've been a Mets fan since 62. I went yes. to the Polo Grounds with my grandfather. The Polo so Grounds, you say? Wow. Yeah, yeah. The Colt 45s. Anyway, yep. I don't understand what this team's doing. This team was not an it was not an 80-win team before Senga got hurt, and it certainly isn't it now. It is not. And, Scotty, thank you for the call. Sorry for the music on you. But, yes, I agree with you. I don't understand what they're doing. Go get Montgomery at the very least. It helps you this year. It helps you next year. He's proven in New York, which apparently is a big deal for you. You signed enough Yankees. And he's been a postseason performer. And he doesn't come with picks. Go do it. Thank you guys for calling. Thank you guys for listening. Fleegs on the other side. Thanks for coming back. I appreciate it. I know you could have stayed in Aruba your entire life, but he came back just for me, so I appreciate it. I'll catch you tomorrow at midnight for a five-hour midnight ride on a Thursday morning. Until then, enjoy your Wednesday. Enjoy your, your, your puppy dog shows for the rest of your morning. And I'll catch you again at midnight. Take care. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. WFAN.